Fun. I'll tell you what, don't wear a sweater when you're playing the dorm. It gets hot in here. Spicy. It's 98.9 WCLZ in a studio Z today with Matt Nathanson. Thank you for being here. Oh my God, thanks for having me. This is really fun. We're so psyched that you're here. And I, this was a story that I just found out about yesterday. So I want to start with this because I want to make sure that, I, that this gets yeah, in. Yeah. It's a throwback Thursday story that you had. I figured it's Thursday. Could you please tell us the slope day story for people that don't know about oh, it? Oh, yeah. So does anyone not follow me on Instagram? Uh, does, any, does anyone follow me on Instagram? Let's try that. So there's two of us. Awesome. Um, so I'm doing this thing where instead of Throwback Thursday, I'm doing you, the way it used to be, right? This idea of like tying it in because that's what you do. Uh, and, uh, and so one of my, I went looking through a bunch of boxes in my garage for something that was like, oh, my past, how fun. I found a bunch of stuff that was like, wow. <laughs> Bring this to the therapist, you know? Uh, but I did find this pass from uh, Cornell. Uh, uh, they have a, a big hill. They call it the slope. Slope day 2003, maybe. And uh, the bill that day, back in the day, I used to play a lot of colleges. And I used to travel by myself or with a cello player. And I used to like get in a rental car and drive and like set up my merch and sell my merch and play my show and meet and greet people and then go to sleep on someone's couch and wake up and do it again. This was like years of this. And uh, we, I did, we did a show, slope day, Cornell, long story short. The bill was myself and OAR. Yeah. <laughs> and then Dilated Peoples, which is a hip hop band that, that are great. And then Kanye West. <laughs> And I'm a huge Kanye West fan, but he back then didn't care very much about how he was perceived either because the way that the person booked it at the, on the show was instead of it being like me, Dilated Peoples, or the bill ran like this. First band, Dilated Peoples. Second band, Kanye. Third band, Matt Nathanson with a cello player. Fourth band, OAR. And when I say that Kanye was had already launched, I mean like like that record was happening i mean it was like and we got there and it was full i mean like i've never seen people like this and kanye was like 40 minutes late and uh the crowd he goes on stage to chance i'm allowed to say this right there's no recording or anything i can say well this. we are recording but are. jack you can you yeah, can he's, he's you have gonna... like a, a dump button <laughs> literally just a a, a a teeming thousands of people chanting he goes on stage to them chanting you, Kanye. You, because they're mad because they've been waiting for 40 minutes to see Kanye West. And I'm like, I'm going to die. They're not going to want to watch me manfolk my way out there and be like, you know, like after he's done. And it gets worse. So he goes on stage, plays for like two songs. He wins them back there. I'm like, maybe I can do this, you know. And the crowd is like, and then all of a sudden he just busts off the stage again. And John Legend was his piano player at the time, and he's playing, and he's like, "Can you? are you guys doing great? And the crowd's like, yeah, we're great. And John Legend's like, are you doing great? He's like, yeah, we're great. Kanye goes back, sits at a picnic table for 15 minutes. So at about minute three or five of John Legend being like, are you feeling this? It starts again. Are you Kanye? Are you Kanye? And I'm like, ah! And Kanye's sitting there just totally doesn't care. It's incredible. He's just sitting there, and, and I'm like, do I approach him and be like, I'm a huge fan? I don't know if he's going to get up and go back on stage. I don't know if this is the end of the show. He goes back out, 
does two more songs. And meanwhile, I scramble. I'm like, I don't want to do this. So I scramble, but I need to get paid. So I go to OAR's tour manager, Joel, who's a friend of mine. And I go, dude, you have to save my life. He's like, what do you need? I was like, you got to tell them that OAR has to go on at their allotted time. Because then my set will be gone. Like, if you, if you say, look, if we're headlining this, we have a contract. We have to go on at 8 or whatever. It's like 7, like 30. Like, I won't go on. Say, it doesn't matter about Nathanson's set. We want So Joel goes, plays hardball with a promoter person who's, who goes, okay. And then they said, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but we can't, you can't play. And I was like, oh, <laughs> really? I'm so sorry. And they're like, we can pay you, though. I'm like, no. <laughs> For real? I don't want to do that to you. Thank you. So that was my whole Kanye story. And as I was reading it, I'm like, this is a killer story just to read. And I'm like, I have to, he has oh, to tell us. Dude, it was, it was a, even to live, it was crazy. I mean, like, I, I was, I mean, I, and I, Kanye is, in my opinion, one of our geniuses, right? Like, even though he's like, uh, he does things I don't dig, but like, and he's sort of whatever. But like, musically, he's sort of untouchable. And so it's like, it was this weird combination of like me being intimidated by his awesomeness and at the same time being like, what a dick. And then, uh, but at the same time being like, I'm about to get paid for watching Kanye West. I got this. We're with Matt Nathanson inside Studio Z, and we have to talk about the new album. And there was a quote that you had talking about, for this album, you wanted to go in there and make music like the music that you love and yeah. not make music like the music that you make. And yeah. I thought to myself, "Yeah, I got a weird genre. Explain that. I'm not a big fan of dude folk. Like, my genre of music, like my, like, that's just not my stuff. I don't like, think you have a single song like that. Yeah, I mean, no, but I don't, but other people do. But you know what I'm saying? I just, like, I love music, and for some reason, the white male singer-songwriter thing that I got put in, which was incredible, because I was playing to people that didn't care about me at all, and I was playing to very few of them. Do you know what I mean? And I'd go on tour with, like, John Doe from X, and I'd get into a fight in a bar in, like, called the Lion's Lair in Denver with these people who definitely didn't want to see me play music. So I went on tour with, like, Howie, who I loved, Howie Day, and then Mayer, I did Mayer, and all that stuff, and it was great, but I never really, that wasn't ever the music I listened to, which was crazy. Like, I, I, I appreciated Mayer's songs, I appreciated Howie's voice and Howie's thing, but, like, it just was never my thing, and then all of a sudden it was, like, all these people that I was touring with or getting to do I was like what maybe I have something against myself I was super into like female folk artists like Suzanne Vega Tracy Chapman like all that stuff was my thing 10,000 Maniacs and like and I loved the Jeff Buckley Cat Stevens but for some reason like the 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 dude folk thing that happened that I was a part of like Jack Johnson like respect like just not my thing and like I remember going to see Jack Johnson at Bimbo's in San Francisco and being like oh yeah people are like this guy because all of them too you'd hear like these stories when you played music they'd be like you gotta hear this kid Jason Mraz out of San Diego he's killing it and I'd be like alright and I'd go see him and I'd be like alright like <laughs> Like, not my thing. Like, it doesn't mean he's not good. It just isn't my thing. Like, it was one of those moments where I was like, this is so crazy. Like, this is, but all good, you know? And then, like, Jack Johnson, I went and saw him, and I was like, what is this? Like, I, I, I just didn't, I don't know what the deal was. So, long story short, I was, uh, that has nothing to do with what I was going to tell you. But, like, it was this strange thing where I think I always thought, like, I, I'm like the Afghan wigs or something. And, like, so I, I, you know, and that is just not true. So I'm me, and uh, and me is man folk. And so, but with this record, I really wanted to make a record where I, like, embraced my thing. Because the last couple of records, I feel like I was kind of chasing this thing that I wanted to be, right? Like, I was like, I, I love the Afghan wigs. I'm not a singer-songwriter guy. I want to make rock. Like, I want to play electric guitar, and I want to be... And I did it, 
and I liked it, but it didn't feel necessarily genuine to me. Like I, I thought some of the songs were good. I thought some of the performances were really good. I liked those records, but I really felt like I wasn't, I wasn't like uh, being honest. Like as much as I felt like I was being honest at the time that I made them. So I made this record and just kind of surrendered to this idea of like whatever the song wants to be, I'm just gonna like surrender to the song because the song is the thing. And if I don't surrender to the song, it feels. Number one, it feels disingenuous, maybe only to me, but whatever. But number two, it's like, that's just not how it's done. Like, Neil Young is Neil Young, right? Like, that guy gets up and does his thing no matter what, and he's a conduit for his thing. And the more he gets in the way of it, like, when you see bands that you love self-consciously trying to alter the records they make, they're never good. It's never right. And the things that make bands great is when they stop thinking and stop trying to be something, and they just let it flow through them. And so for this record, I really did just sort of, like, lay myself down at the altar of, like, I love acoustic guitar, I love the Indigo Girls, I love, like, I'm just going to make a record where these songs came out. I meant to write a record that was all about empowerment, I was like, before I made the record, I'm like, this record's going to be about empowerment, man. This country needs empowerment. Everybody feels super, like, stepped on and like, but we're awesome. I'm going to make a record about that. And the first song came out, and it was like about sadness. <laughs> and like being dumped. And I was like, what? And I've been married for a long time. And like, I haven't been dumped in a long time. And it was, there it was. And then another sadness song came out. And then another one. And I was like, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this thing where I trust these songs... Here we go. And I just wrote them all. And that was why I called the record Sings His Sad Heart because I thought it was so hilarious that like I've been the least sad I've ever been in my life. And these songs were so sad. And I just had to respect them. And same thing with the way they were produced and the way they came out. It was like, what am I here to respect? I'm here to respect the, the delivery of my vocal and these lyrics. Like I got to get out of the way and stop trying to like wear a jacket that doesn't work for me or whatever, like, like metaphorically. Do you know what I mean? My kid said to me the other day, my eight-year-old, I said something and she goes, uh, she goes, I go, well, you know, no, she goes, dad, I do not like metaphors. <laughs> I was like, you're eight. I didn't even know what a metaphor was till two weeks ago. But anyway, so uh, long story longer. I just kind of surrendered to this thing and it like and it felt the most natural and it's the first record in a long time that I like listening to. Like I put it on and I go, "Oh yeah, there he is. Like that's neat. I guess that's me." Like, you know. And and I thought it was interesting when you were talking about used to be that that you heard that listening in your car and that was the first time that Oh, dude. It, I had a little moment there. Like uh I, we did a demo of used to be Sean and I where it was just the him on piano and me singing. And it was just this at his house super quick. But it was the tempo that the record's at, and it was the piano part that the record's that's on the record. So it was well done. Like, and I sang it, and I remember driving home, and I went to the bookstore, Book Soup in in Los Angeles, and I'm stand, I'm in the aisles, and I texted him. I'm like, dude, I listened to the song the whole way to the bookstore, and he's like, I listened to it over and over again, and I was like, all right. And he writes songs for like Demi Lovato. He like writes a lot of songs, and I was like, well, that's cool. And then I got in the car again, and I drove to my hotel, and I listened to it again and again and again and again. And I parked under the hotel, and I put it in park, and I just listened, and I like had a, like a moment where I kind of cried, and it was like because I listened to it, and I was like, I didn't recognize the person singing it, but I felt like I I didn't. It was this moment where I was like. I don't know who that guy is, but this totally works for me. And would you ever put that exact version out for us to hear? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, the vocal, it's it's pretty much same tempo, piano, but it was just, the, I didn't fin hadn't finished the, um, we hadn't sung the second verse, so it was just the first verse, but I was like, there was something about that, like, your friends were friends with me, and I'd been carrying that line around for a long time and putting it in different sessions and being like, what do you think of this? Because I went back and listened to songs that didn't make the record, and friends were friends with me is in, like, two songs where I was like, I apparently like that lyric, you know what I mean? And it's like, because that's how it felt and I remember sending it to my friend 
Anna, who's this a friend of mine who I went to high school with, and I was like, what do you think of this? And I sent it to her on like a little text, and she was like, stop it. Like she just said, stop it. This is killing me. And I was like, oh, all right, well, then that's good. You know what I mean? Because we used to listen to records and, and lose our minds, you know? This is the last thing for you. Oh, my God. I love talking to you. <laughs> well, it's funny. Randy yesterday he said, can you do the interview with Matt? I said, yeah. And I started doing all this prep. And then I said, I'm going to get like three questions in, aren't I? <laughs> I know. I definitely yeah, have. Like, definitely. My dad always says to me, you know the Barney Stone that people kiss for the gift of gab? They stuck it up your ass. <laughs> That's what my dad says. They stuck it up. I'm like, thanks, Jerry. And to follow that up. <laughs> yeah. I feel terrible, by the way. I want you to know that I was told that it was all right, but if there's any sort of swear jar in your life, I got like 30 bucks for it. Okay, good, good, good. I like the way we work. Good stuff. The book, the book club for people that don't know oh, about yeah. it, doing it in the nook. Yeah, can, doing it in the nook. Can you talk about this for, because if our listeners are just tuning into the radio and saying, what is going on? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I swore a lot. No, no, no. It's, it plays tomorrow. Don't uh, worry. We get so to, you can do a little bit of Yeah, we do a little magic. I like it. You'll be like, that guy sounds great. I'll be like, burr, burr, burr. Um, yeah, I have a book club called Doing It in the Nook with this author, Kelly Corgan, who's a friend of mine who has a bunch of great books out that are like New York Timesy bestsellery things. And she and I always hang out and we always have fun. And we do things, I've done things for her where I've played a song or two and then we talk and interview. And then I had her interview me for my release party. And I was like, we got to do a book club where we get to sit around and talk about literature because nobody does this and it would be really fun i miss that part of life and so we did so we started doing it and uh, my whole idea was i would love to not read uh like american white men because i feel like i've got i've done that i've done my time and even though it's great and like i'm super down i would love to start bringing because every time i read a book coming from like nigeria or japan it kind of expands and kind of blows my mind in a way um, and so we started with Chimamanda Ngochi Adichie's book, Half a Yellow Sun, which is so good. It's about the Nigerian Civil War, which in theory you'd be like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> heavy, heavy greatness. Like, she's just a poet. And, uh, and then reading about the way that they did or didn't handle things and the way that class works in a country where it's everyone's essentially, there's no, it's all... African people so it's weird to see that there is same thing that happens here with where you some people get put below and some people get put above and some you know view of it all it's fascinating to read and she's she kills it she's just so good so anyway yeah we have a book club uh, and the first meeting of it is online uh, Facebook live I think at the end of November yeah fun super Great. fun we're with Matt Nathan and me yeah I like it it's a it's hey Jack can you edit that yeah 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 we're here with Howie Day. Oh, <laughs> it's Jason Mraz and Jack Johnson. Yeah, totally. Today. I said, Nuga, Nuga. Oh, yeah. No, I like that. You know, I can appreciate that stuff. It just isn't. Matt good. Nathanson inside Studio Z. You want to do a couple more before you head out? Yeah. Oh, my God. Never getting a tour again. <laughs> I'll try this. We can always edit it. Starting to sweat. I have layers, and I—it's like a Muppet. I'm wearing like a Muppet skin. It's so hot. 